0: Hello there, gentle listener. This is Oman Sade, and this is Nick
1: McGill. Together, as you probably know, we are feckless moms, and we are here to talk, talk, tall to me to you. <laughs> that's that's right. We are recording this
0: in the future of the Tull, the talk tall to me progression. And we wanted to cast our voices backwards to where you are to tell you about something exciting that didn't exist when we were recording this episode, which you're about to enjoy.
1: Yeah, so so we have a Patreon. And and I know everybody has Patreons. Everybody has a monthly subscription. So I'm not going to sit here and beg and plead. But what we are going to do is... I'll beg and plead, Dick. Omen will beg and plead. But we're, we want to describe to you what you get with the Patreon to maybe entice you to join in the fun a little bit early uh, before uh, rather than waiting to get to the episodes where we talk about our Patreon in the future but that's our past your future that's right at the $1 amount you get a lovely feeling it's it's warm it's fuzzy uh, I would I would liken it to butterflies upon your chest yeah
0: And for the $5 amount, you get the real goods, sis. Oh,
1: mercy. You
0: get access. The big thing is you get access to our Discord. And that is where you can talk Tull yourself to your heart's content, along with all the other Tull Skulls who have subscribed. There are some lovely people literally from all over the world there
1: who chat about Jethro Tull, their cats. Food. Tull News, Prague. Music. Not just Tull. Additional music, the episodes at hand, they tell us all the things we've done wrong. Uh-huh. You too can tell us what we've done wrong. Yeah, well, you can do that for free. Yeah. In addition to that, it also grants you access to two additional podcasts. And if that's right, if you subscribe now, you do have access to the back catalog, and we'll get the new ones as they come out. Oh, and what, what are those what are those podcasts?
0: Uh, well, one of them is Talk Tall with me where Uh we talk, Tull, about the correspondence that we have from our listeners. We got so much correspondence, we had to create a whole new podcast just dedicated to that. So we talk about things from the Discord, things that people have written us. And the other one, Nick, is...
1: Outtake, Tull, to me. That is my personal favorite. That is just all of the cutting room floor garbage that we could not fit into an actual podcast, but I can't throw away because it's a biohazard. So I have to do something with
0: it. (laughs) Zero nutritional value, now with flavor, and just a little
1: treat for you to enjoy. Don't tell your dentist. New and, what's the opposite of improved? Worsened. New and worsened flavor. (laughs) Outtake
0: tell to me. (laughs) So that's what you get. You also, there are other fun things we do. Uh, we occasionally do a, a live listening party where we yeah. listen with other people on, who are Patreon subscribers to a live, tall recording. We sometimes have had votes on merch. So it's an ongoing community. It's a lot of fun. And
1: we highly recommend that you join. We invite you. We humbly invite you to join us on the Patreon and enjoy. And enjoy.
0: Dear friends, soften your butter, activate your yeast, and marvel at the rapidity with which your perfect loaf disappears into the yawning maws of your ravenous in-laws. Because
1: it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> ¶¶
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am Oman Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless
1: Momes, And this is Talk Tall to Me.
0: A lazy afternoon of baking, where Nick and I combine the flour of prog rock, the egg whites of jazz, and the finest Scottish lard... Bake for 30 minutes at gas mark four, and ultimately pass out on the couch in a full Jethro Tull-induced carbs coma.
1: <laughs> you can cover it in butter, you can cover it in jam, you can cover it in marmite, or you can eat it straight. Mm. No matter how you consume Tull, it is always 100% good for you. Yes, uh, an important part of a healthy breakfast: <laughs> glass of orange juice, glass of coffee, slice of tall. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, Nick, here we are. We're back, aren't we? Here we are again. We are back with a brand new album. We are on to album number six. Wow! I can't believe it's been six years. It's been. It, that's that's what it feels like. <laughs> I have certainly aged. I, I have six years worth of gray hair at this point. Yes. Before, however, we get into this beautiful, beautiful album, this work of art. Yes. Uh, we have a little bit of something from Mary, I believe, don't we? Oh, what's this? Oh. Oh. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you very much.
0: My vacation was canceled. I'm... Sorry, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really sorry. To, sorry to hear that. I'm going to go soak me feet in the river.
1: That's one way to to do it, I guess. That's great. Yeah, yeah
0: you know, whatever whatever works. Um, all right, here we have an email. Oh boy, an email. <clears throat> Your emails, sir. Yes, here we are. An email fresh off the presses. This is a scholarly type of email written by that gentleman and learned fellow, Captain Fleshy Boy Third.
1: The third. The third.
0: A l- part of the long, long and noble line of Fleshy Boys.
1: <laughs> all all with, with distinguished places in the military.
0: Indeed. <laughs> the subject line, hello, comma my good Momes. <laughs> Message Hi Nick and Omen. I've been a fan for a few months now and really love what you've been doing. I just left a review on iTunes to show my gratitude to you boys. Keep it up, you crazy moms. Thank you, thank you. In one of your recent casts, you two were discussing Ian's unique acoustic guitar style, likening it to Nick Drake, an apt comparison. Mm-hmm. Likewise, I thought I'd bring to your attention, if you didn't know him already, the progressive folk artist Roy Harper. Harper is an interesting and eccentric character who, despite not garnering much fame outside a niche fan base, influenced some of the most well known classic rock slash prog acts of the late 60s and 70s. He has collaborated with Jimmy Page provided lead vocals for Pink Floyd's Have a Cigar and was name-dropped in the title of the Led Zeppelin song Hats Off to Harper. Most notably, our boy Ian Anderson said Roy was his primary influence as an acoustic guitarist and songwriter. It seems that Ian and Harper both got their start in Blackpool around the same time, as Ian once reportedly stated that their only reason he originally left Blackpool was because Harper did.
1: (laughs) That's Ian Anderson reading someone else's quote about him.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Also, Harper's guitar style has been compared to Nick Drake's, who Harper would play and associate with. It seems that Nick Drake and Harper drew from similar musical sources, later inspiring artists like Ian. Anyway, I just thought I'd share this equally brilliant and underrated artist with some fellow Tullskulls, your guys' work is great. I really appreciate it. Your pal, Captain Fleshy Boy the Third.
1: Thank you, thank you, Captain Fleshy Boy. I actually I don't I know of Roy Harper because of the Ballad of Jethro Tall. Oh, interesting. The, the book that just came out. He mentioned Roy Harper a couple of times in that book, and and because of that, I I. Kind of poked around and and listened to some yeah. of his stuff. I haven't gone too crazy on it, but after the captain's message,
0: I listened to a couple of tracks from Roy Harper, and and it's true, he really you really can feel the similarity between Ian's guitar playing and his that mm. that that heavily rhythmic corded under undergarment. I want to say uh, with the mm, I'm wearing one under underpinning with with the really lyrical. Melody lines being played over at the same time, higher up on the on the fretboard. Yeah, so it's fantastic. If you are not familiar with Roy Harper, suggest you go have a listen. And thank you, Captain Fleshy Boy the Third, for your delightfully scholarly email.
1: Perfect. Thank you. And oh, and for the review, for that matter,
0: and for the review.
1: Yes, you can all take a page out of the book of Captain Fleshy Boy the Third. How do you think he reached the heights of power?
0: I mean, oh, I assume he started out as cabin, cabin boy, cabin fleshy boy, the third. Okay. Yeah. Worked his way right. up to midshipman fleshy boy, the third. Yeah.
1: Someday he'll be Admiral fleshy boy, the third. It would be an honor to be at that ceremony to, to honor him. Indeed. But yeah, it was it was by by leaving reviews for podcasts that was the that's what I was getting at. Ah, I see. <laughs> Ruined your joke. Yep, I don't. It wasn't even really a joke. It was just just bad all around. <laughs> so without further ado, Nick, Omen,
0: are we ready to jump into the next Jethro Tull album?
1: Yeah, I think that it is time. We're not gonna get too deep into it just yet. Just a, we're gonna do a little. Early info, and uh, we'll spread it out a little bit more along the episodes because each track is going to be so beefy. So, this week I just really wanted to start with the standard quote from Ian about the album that we have in the back of this wonderful Jethro Tull Prague magazine here.
0: Hey, Nick, have we talked? Have we said what the album is?
1: Oh, my goodness. It is Ian Anderson sings. Childhood Classics, Volume 3.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's what I listen to go to
1: sleep. That's right. Yeah. It's just just flute and grumbling. Yeah. We are listening to, we are starting Passion Play, or, or I'm sorry, A Passion Play.
0: A Passion Play, the second in a row of
1: massive concept album. Yeah. The next in line, Works, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yep. So let's hear what Mr. Anderson has to say about A Passion Play.
1: All right. Quote, the Step Too Far album. We decamped at the Chateau d'Ureville in France, where Elton had recorded, and had a rotten time. Technical issues, gastric bugs, we just wanted to go home. So we did, and had a frantic few weeks of writing a new album. Two pieces made it onto the War Child album, and one or two morphed into something more sophisticated, but they never came to light On that album. That album, I'm assuming, is a passion play. Yes, I would think so. Steve Harris from Iron Maiden loves a passion play. I'm glad someone liked it. So there is an obvious weight that this album comes with. Yeah. Now, I didn't know any of the history about passion play before this, before this magazine
0: yeah, it's interesting, and, and you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really either. So it's interesting to note that that there is sort of a a ghost album in between "Thick as a Brick" and "Passion Play," and that is the the recording attempt that was made at the Chateau d'Herouville and d'Herouville.
1: But I don't think that's necessarily accurate because if if that album had Succeeded, a passion play wouldn't exist. I think it's one or the Absolutely. other. Absolutely. Well, that's why it's a ghost. That's why it's a ghost
0: of an album. It's a. It's an album that died, and they were like, "Well, we're gonna have another kid." So, <laughs> oh, but that. Got, but that one died. Got really dark. The, yeah. Oh, so then there was there was a much later album released, which was entitled
1: Oh Chateau Disaster. Yeah.
0: Chateau Disaster.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is basically the the all the tracks that they managed to salvage from that time, mastered them as much as they could with what they had, and they they put them out there. And there is a lot in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, and there is a lot of a lot of the same sound of what you're going to hear in War Child, actually.
0: Right, because some of because as Ian was saying, some of that. Some of the stuff that they did record in France ended up on on War Child. Mm.
1: Yeah. A lot of the themes, too.
0: Right. But what we're about to listen to was recorded at Morgan Studios in London during March of
1: 1973. Right. right.
0: So although it has French providence in a way, it took root and grew in England, much like Sir
1: Lancelot. Well, the Chateau wasn't in France. It was in Switzerland. See, Nick, this is for very specific reasons which we will get into.
0: This is why we don't trust the Europeans. You know, where are the borders? What is what is Switzerland as it were? It's a it's a country. Oh. Oh, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> so, in terms of the personnel, it is unchanged from thick as a brick we have. Ian Anderson on lead vocals, flute, acoustic guitar, soprano, and sopratino saxophone. We have Martin Lancelot Barr on the electric guitar. We have John Evan with backing vocals, piano, organ, and synthesizer. And Jeffrey Hammond Hammond, bass guitar, spoken word. We'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. And Barrymore Barlow on drums, percussion, timpani, glockenspiel, and marimba. And, of course, we have the indomitable Dee Palmer bringing in the exquisite... Strings Arrangements.
1: Indomitable, inestimable, incorrigible.
0: Terry Ellis, the producer, same as it ever was. And off we, off we pop.
1: Off we
0: pop. We are about to pop off on a passion play.
1: Just a note on on Jeffrey Hammond being spoken word. Remember, he was the spoken word in Thick as a Brick as well.
0: Yeah, so he's had practice now. He's got a taste for it. Now he, he wants, he's come back for more.
1: His spoken word part is much bigger in this one, too.
0: That's, that's what they say, Nick. You know, if you, if, you, if you give a bassist a cookie, next he'll want to record an entire absurdist children's story on the next album.
1: That, that was actually my favorite children's book as a child. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Don't feed the bassist. Don't. Don't ever. They just keep coming back.
0: Would you like to hear a, ba- a bassist
1: joke? If this is the one that you told me... Never mind. ...a month ago. <laughs> never, never mind. <laughs> so, a just a, a super quick, like, one-sentence overview of a passion play before we start. Please. It is the concept, the theme is the spiritual journey of a man named Ronnie Pilgrim. What does that mean? Why don't we find out together? We will start finding out when we listen to Ronnie Pilgrim's funeral, A Winter's Morning in the Cemetery. Let's have a listen. Let us. well, well 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 Nick that was the first nine minutes that we just listened to the first yes. nine minutes of a passion play side one yeah all right so you you said you're not you've you've listened to this one before this is not like like living in the past that's correct but but you're not super, you haven't been super familiar with it.
0: This is not an album to which I have listened a lot. Yeah.
1: Okay. So knowing what we know going into it, knowing that it was, I guess for lack of a better term, thrown together. Yeah. And that it was a follow-up to a their their first number one, which was a huge concept album. Yeah, what are what are your initial thoughts on this first portion?
0: I mean, really, my first my first thought is is yowza, wow! Like it's like good yowza though, right? Oh, oh, very good yowza. Yeah, yeah. you know it's it's funny. I watch a lot of baking shows, Nick. You don't have and to say that with
1: shape. That sounded... I didn't. Okay, I didn't. Sound... I heard a little that shame. That was in pride. It.
0: <laughs> Let me try again. I watch a lot of baking shows, Nick. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, there's a thing that happens where the baker will sometimes come up and say, here's my dish. It didn't go the way I wanted to. And I was really rushed for time. And uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't really like, I don't know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the ju- that affects the judge's decision. Whereas mm. even if the even if the baker is sweating bullets and thinks it's a disaster, if they go up and say, this is what I made. Yeah. Then the judges can start judging it from a, no, a more neutral place. And yeah. sometimes they can have a su- success that otherwise they would have tainted. That's sort of how I feel about that. You know, it, it sounds like there was a lot of negative critical response to the album. It sounds like Ian, in his quote, certainly has some bitter feelings toward it. Right. The fact that they, after a massive probably costly disaster in on the continent of recording they jammed this out in a couple of weeks listening to it i don't get any of that i no. just hear a remarkably cogent very heady mm-hmm. but very well sculpted and presented piece of music so far
1: yeah i've i've always really dug this album just i want to go back real quick you said it was not well received critically this was tulls second number one i think early on in the the thick as a brick albums i said that was their one and only that's not true apparently this hit number one in the states yes that's true which i have to say it was clearly riding on the coattails of how how successful thick was right not to say it doesn't warrant it it doesn't deserve it but
0: it certainly had a little
1: a little momentum yeah yeah yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: But it's, you know, even when even when the public really likes something, it can be very disheartening when when critics or maybe other musicians, other artists dislike something.
1: Sure. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they were they were still they were still babies. They were still young. So, of, of course, everything was was. Yes, they, they weren't wizened and hardened yet. Any more, any more than than Ian actually is now. You know, I mean, he was right, exactly. He was then, but not as not. He was, he, he wasn't a walking callus at that point.
0: He was he was pre-wizened. Yeah, we may be wit- We may be witnessing. We may be witnessing his wizening.
1: Neither of those have have H's in them. I don't know why.
0: Yeah, you know, you gotta get him where you can.
1: <laughs> yep, common phrase. Yep.
0: So. So, so yes, this is probably the most heady and conceptual stuff that we've heard from Jethro Tull. And I think that the big difference between this and Thick as a Brick is that the whole conceit of Thick as a Brick was, well, it's a joke anyway, so what does it matter? I think that this doesn't have that mask. Correct. Yeah. And so I think that that exposes it to a lot more critique. Mm and but at the same time presents potentially a much more profound listening experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think for for those for those who do want to listen to it for that experience. It's not terribly accessible for the casual listener. It's not dinner party music. If this were Tull's sophomore album and not their sophomore concept album, I, I'm not sure how well they would have lasted how much longer they would have lasted
0: yeah I mean thus thus far it it is reading more as sort of performance art for the ear mm-hmm. than rock and roll
1: and it it was in concert too yeah they had three videos that they had had to show to kind of to make the concept make sense. to to give it to give it context so so if if as a band you need visuals to to really hammer home your point you're you're straying into to to difficult territory if you want to keep your your i just want to listen to rock and roll audience
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. It demands a lot more from the audience. Mm -hmm. But apparently there was enough of an audience, at least in the States, to to step up to that challenge and really, really listen to it, probably with the aid of some, you know, mild psychotropic enhancements.
1: That being said, we do have to, to, to take into consideration the fact that an album hits number one. Based upon sales. Right. People really dug thick as a brick, so they bought Passion Play.
0: Right. And it's not like they could preview it like it, we can now.
1: Exactly. So they think, oh, this, album's, this album was great. Let me buy their next one. Maybe they listened to the first half of Passion Play, and that's it.
0: It's possible. I'm sure some people did, and I'm sure that some people, you know, really, really loved it. I suspect that it was a bit more polarizing.
1: Yes. You know, I, yeah. I think
0: with an album like this, you really either connect with it or you don't. Mm-hmm. So, so, Nick, musically, yeah. mm-hmm. let's break down a little bit of what we have in this first nine minutes. Mm-hmm. Which what is, is a first... lot.
1: We've got a lot.
0: <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. What's the yeah. first sound that we hear?
1: It is... I'm not sure what it actually is, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be... Ronnie Pilgrim's heartbeat. Yeah, I would say it's a heartbeat. It's a heartbeat. I I don't know what they're using to create that sound, but it's a heartbeat.
0: Could be um, could be a heart.
1: Ian Anderson's heart. Mellotron filled with boiler fluid. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. I don't
1: care if you're a rock and roll star. You'll always have boiler fluid in your veins. <laughs> Is that why you don't feel well, Dad? That's why. That's Dad, that's a serious medical condition.
0: I, you'll be dead by 30. <laughs> if it was good enough for Grandpa Anderson, it was good enough for you.
1: You told me the transfusions were to make me healthy. Healthy like a boiler. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it is the so the, tra- <laughs> the track... The so track starts strange, out Nick. with that, that heartbeat as a slow opener that slowly... It slowly rises in pitch.
0: Yeah, it's a bit enough. And, and then it 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 is accompanied by a kind of overdrive electric
1: soundscape. Yeah. A really distorted guitar.
0: Yes. That and really greedy
1: saxophone too.
0: Right. And then peeping through that, I believe we have a little bit of flute playing that that kind of country air. Yeah, I uh, think melody. I think this,
1: I think the sax and the flute trade off. Probably because That's Ian possible. was playing them.
0: Yeah. And then after that, we, we eventually find ourselves in a march for a little bit. Hmm. So there's this huge sort of like very, very abstract heartbeat montage that resolves suddenly into a march. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That goes on for maybe 20 seconds. And then the march kind of falls apart a little bit into a fairly irregular time signature. Yeah. Experience. There's some three-four in there for sections, but then there's some, I think, stuff that's trading off between between three-four and two-four, sort of a, sort of a combined five-five-four signature, which is really really weird and very unsettling, but very very evocative and and exciting at the same time.
1: Yeah, the distorted instruments and the really curious kind of cacophonous distorted choices. They are made exponentially more off-putting by this time signature or, th- or these time signatures.
0: Yeah, there's you want you want to ground yourself in a regular time signature. and so whenever an irregular time signature is used, it makes it hard to dance to to, to, to say it really simply. Yeah, but it forces you to listen is the other thing. and I agree right. that it's uncomfortable I agree that it's uncomfortable. But given the subject material, I think it's appropriately uncomfortable. Sure.
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: This whole section, Nick, to sort of break a little bit our, our standard format and talk a little bit about the themes already. Mm-hmm. And this is all pre-lyrics. But right. When I was listening to this just now... And and of course, it was influenced by us reading out what the what the concept of the album is, which is sort of very useful. It, this whole section felt to me like like a life flashing before someone's eyes.
1: Musically, and, and you're saying
0: musically, yeah. And that that irregularity and those those quick bumps of sound that come out of nowhere. Hmm. Those all lent that all lends itself for me to this feeling of like a sped up tape of someone's life played at at you know at at a very fast pace yeah with all these disjointed images coming at you and and it's 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 overwhelming and it's emotional
1: see that's interesting cuz the way i always pictured it was that heartbeat is are, are those heartbeats are the last heartbeats of of Ronnie Pilgrim and sure. all of that instrumentation leading up to the lyrics is his kind of like out of body experience of watching everything happen until he hits the the funeral and then he narrates from there.
0: Sure. Yeah, that makes sense as well. I mean, I, it sort of could be either, and and those exactly. those are similar. It's that end of end of life. That's the transition between life and death.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and there is no, I mean, unless we get Ian on the record, there is no right answer. It's however we interpret it, particularly because it's just instrumentation. It's whatever it makes us feel as as individuals.
0: But I think it's quite clearly, you know, the transition between life and oh, death. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's before, you know, whether it's the last moment of him being alive or the first moment after he's dead, that's sort of up to interpretation. But it's, mm. I think it's it's very effective at conveying. The story of death and yeah. the uncertainty of what comes after.
1: Mm-hmm. Any other further music notes? Well, there's
0: that there's that wonderful organ and then whistling section that's mm-hmm. so strange.
1: Yeah, the the organ. It, there's just a teeny little bit of organ in here, and it's sandwiched in between some really beautiful piano.
0: Hmm, an organ sandwich. And and mm, I had one of those in Paris when I didn't know what I, what I was ordering. I was I was unpleasantly surprised
1: <laughs> that it was so delicious. <laughs> but the mm. the organ is the organ fits in in one of those really like super crazy wacky like bubbles of of time. That, that come in between those really like flowing and airy and ethereal moments that the piano is a really nice background on? Yes. Also, in those crazy moments, I just want to point out there's some seriously wonderful cowbell.
0: Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, it's Wait, in, let's yeah, hear it. it's in there. Oh, that is good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thank yeah. you, Barrymore. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. He he does. He's got some really nice drumming in this, in general. But that that cowbell in there just kind of just adds a little bit of extra in there.
0: And then we have the saxophone that comes in, which it's really interesting to note that the same period that spawned a passion play is the same period that that eventually spawns the sound of War Child, because mm. for me that saxophone sound is so is is for me the sound of War Child.
1: It's the first note you hear in War Child,
0: exactly, and it and it's throughout the album, yeah, a little, you know, a bit. So hearing that sound here is like, oh, yeah, of course, of course, they're all related. It's almost like they were the same band.
1: It's really cool knowing what we know about this album and and the Chateau disaster. Yeah. It's really cool to listen to the sounds we're hearing now and... And see how they translate. See, like up until now, each album you kind of hear like, oh, oh, I, I got that. I hear this from this album. But these are, these are like, these are twins practically, in terms of of the way that they play some of these instruments.
0: Yeah, at least Irish twins.
1: Yeah, right. Or Scottish. Scottish twins. Yeah. That's
0: where. That's where you. You were going to have twins, but mm-hmm. you decided you couldn't afford one of them, so you, you gestated the other one an extra nine months just to save on cost.
1: <laughs> it it takes a serious force of will. Yeah. But by the time you have that 18-month-old, it's like, <sighs> it. <laughs> you're ready. You're done. <laughs> yeah.
0: Whew. So, Nick, shall we talk about some of the lyrics here?
1: Yeah, yeah. A uh, final note on music. that It's so it's so wacky and kind of all over the place. It feels like kind of, it feels like a child's fantasy land, a candy candy colored fantasy. If you, if you gave a kid the power to create a story with their mind, God forbid, you just, you you give them a handful of pixie sticks and say, go to town and you get this.
0: You know, and it, it also reminds me a lot. And I think that it's, because it is really related to modern jazz, mm sure you know they've they've moved from a kind of imitative imitating mm what's the word I'm looking for
1: Imit imitation
0: imitational imitation crab
1: i I love imitation crab rook loves oh. imitation crab. he will eat a whole pack yeah. if we allow him, but we don't yeah. allow him so <laughs> the the safest catch.
0: they've gone from a derivative style of playing quote unquote jazz they're like oh we've heard this and so we're gonna play and try to make it sound like that yeah to like this is this is jazz this is like super super like really modern really kind of crazy jazz
1: and and you know what makes it so special in that regard is because they're not trying to no they're following their own hearts yeah and they, it, it just turns out they've had jazz in their hearts the entire time. They should get it removed immediately. It's, it's a and, very dangerous condition. Yep, can get the boiler fluid out of there while you're at it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing they survived this long.
1: Sunik, <laughs> so, the lyrics, the lyrics. This is, this is Dante. This is the Inferno to me. This is, mm. this is Dante. And we will see Virgil later on, right? This is this is straight up the Inferno to me.
0: Yeah, it it also reminds me of Huckleberry Finn. Really? Yeah, you know the you know the the episode in Huckleberry Finn where his his paw has locked him up in the cabin in the woods, and so he he kills a pig and stages his own murder, and then they have a funeral for him, and he's he's hiding in the rafters of the church. Are
1: you referring? to a chapter in a book as an episode?
0: You can refer, you can say an episode. Episode, where do you think the word came from? It didn't, the word episode didn't sprout out with TV and radio.
1: I I understand that. But in, in current, current vernacular, it does not, not, not worth the effort. Not worth when the, have not. I ever
0: subscribed to current <laughs> vernacular? To exactly.
1: Make. That's why I stopped. <laughs> yes, I do. I do know that part. Yeah.
0: So it's it's right. It's it's confronting your own death Mm -hmm. in one way or another. It's watching your own. It's literally watching your own funeral and being a bystander. And I love that the first word of it is. "Do Do you still see me even here? Questioning, like, what is my what is my state right now? Kind of coming to terms with the.
1: The fact that you're dead. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's we pick right up very early in his his cognizance of his state. Yeah. It's like the it's like ghost. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't see the actual it's like the part of ghost where he keeps the trying to like death, but talk to people and
0: be like, hey, I'm here and they're like, No, no, you're dead. You're a ghost. We can't see you. <laughs>
1: We don't know you exist. But you're talking to me. No, we're not.
0: No, no. Just a fun geographical note, Nick. Fulham Road. Uh Uh-huh. There was a
2: rush along the Fulham Road.
0: Is a a long road in London, also known as the A308, Mm. which runs kind of parallel to the Thames on the north side. And it passes directly by Brompton Cemetery in London, just on the outskirts of Chelsea, which is apparently one of the nicest cemeteries in England. So the fact that this gentleman is being buried at Brompton Cemetery speaks to the kind of life that he had. Mm -hmm. You don't get buried at Brompton if you're...
1: If you're Aqualung.
0: If you're... Yeah, Definitely not. Or if you're a worker in a boiler fluid plant.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it also feels a little, it's a wonderful life to me now that I think about it. Wow, yeah. Which is probably actually based on, on the Inferno, now that I think probably about that.
0: Probably actually based on A Passion Play by Jethro Tull.
1: Oh, there it is, yeah. One after the, uh, no, It's a Wonderful Life was before this. Reverse based on A Passion Play by Jethro yep. Tull. They, they went ahead in time. And then went back in time.
0: those sneaky filmmakers
1: <laughs> yeah so so this this whole chunk is really Ronnie being at his own funeral is 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 there was a rush along the Fulham Road? Is that implying that people were rushing to to be at his funeral?
0: Ooh, interesting. Well, you know, you could read it, you could read it one way or the other. There was a rush to get there, mm-hmm. or there was a rush on the road because it's a busy road. Yeah, and and there was a hush in the passion play, sort of contrasting.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Although, my friends as one all stand aligned, although their taxis came too late.
2: My friends as one. All stand aligned, although their taxes came too late.
1: Does that mean they were late to the funeral, or it took them too long to get away from the funeral? I would say that they were late getting to the funeral. Oh, there was a rush along the Fulham Road, meaning on top of everything else, that made it difficult for them to get.
0: There was traffic, so all his friends were late. Got it. That's fun. You know, that may not be the intended interpretation, but that is an interpretation which holds up in mine eye.
1: Seems seems pretty good. Such a sense of glowing in the aftermath, ripe with rich attainments, all imagined sad misdeeds in disarray, the sore thumb screams aloud.
2: A sense of glowing in the aftermath, ripe with rich attainments, all imagined. Sad misdeeds in disarray. The sore thumb screams aloud.
1: Wow, we are just looking. We are looking. In a very broad and abstract way at Ronnie's life. The good, the bad, all all imagined sad misdeeds. Is that saying that he imagined that they were bad and everyone else does not remember it that way? They don't interpret it?
0: I think it's a reference to the the difference between how something seems in the moment and how something appears. From the perspective of the remove of of death, yeah, you know, at the time, you you beat yourself up about this thing that you've done, and and it seems like your your life is over, and it's the worst thing that could have ever happened, or you know, you can never forgive yourself, and then later on, you're dead, and you look at it, and you're like, oh, it's just part of life. It's just life. I was just I was just like being alive. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's you know, I think it. I imagine that death gives you a lot of perspective, if if one could look at one's life. From the perspective that Ronnie is, I would imagine that a lot of the hills and valleys would sort of smooth out.
1: Yeah, it's inevitably we live in the present and dwell in the past, and and the the further the remove, the more exaggerated the memory in generally is. Yeah, and it, it it'd be easy to see it with all all with a clear eye and be like, okay, you know, it ultimately wasn't that bad. But if you just remember right. that one really terrible moment how you interpreted it not not saying that anyone else really took it so poorly you know right
0: well it's interesting it's like i feel like the sore thumb screaming aloud is perhaps a metaphor for those alive whom he left they are sore thumbs in the sense that they are currently feeling pain hmm they are alive and therefore are suffering and he is dead
1: oh yeah and can't pain tells you how do you know you're alive i'm in pain you know like right exactly (laughs) i feel so alive yeah classic that's exactly what i thought of but isn't there a a term sticking out like a sore thumb
0: of course yes
1: is that just coincidence that he uses the term sore thumb here?
0: Maybe not. Maybe it's saying that he is the sore thumb because he is different than everyone else at the gathering because he's dead. Mm. But then at the same time, he wouldn't be sticking out because no one can see him. Right. I, I mean.
1: Oh. What? Oh. Oh. I think. Oh. I think I know what it is. What is so, it? All imagined sad misdeeds. Everyone's dwelling on on memories of him, and there's like one person who's not just being quiet. One person who is is screaming their anguish at at the loss of
0: Ryan. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, probably some sort of a Frenchman.
1: <laughs> yeah, you think so? Could be, or an Italian, maybe. <laughs> just, I mean, they just show their passion in a different way. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Not
0: not like the English Nick.
1: Very buttoned up. Keep calm and do not show emotion.
0: Yeah. At least at Brompton. Mm, maybe. Maybe maybe there are more. Um, maybe there are more emotional cemeteries in London. And then m- more.
1: the The tale. Let's see. I think it's the end of the. Yeah the 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 last of the lyrics that we come to is more proof that I think it's it's Dante's Inferno is is. And who comes here to wish me well? A sweetly-scented angel fell. She laid her head upon my disbelief and bathed me with her ever-smile.
2: And who comes here to wish me well? A sweetly-scented angel fell. She laid her head upon my disbelief. And me with
1: her ever smile. That is our Beatrice. Beatrice. That's our Beatrice, yeah.
0: Perhaps, although, you know, in the Divine Comedy by Dante Alighieri, Beatrice is is dead before Dante is. And mm. and goes before Dante. And is his inspiration to get to heaven. Okay. And then when he when he gets when he gets to heaven, he is firmly rebuked by her for all of his sins. Whereas this seems to be a living woman who is surprising him with the love that she's showing for him. Mm. It's almost like a maybe a similar relationship, but but a bit reversed. It's almost like he's Beatrice and she's Dante. Sure.
1: And this could be his mom or his sister. Oh, kinky.
0: There's, oh, I, there's nothing technically I, I,
1: romantic in that.
0: I got you. Yeah. I, I jumped
1: to conclude. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you interpret it how you want, you sicko. Now, uh, but... now the band
0: of gentlemen bound in leather on there. There it is. There they are. Yep.
1: And with a
2: howl across the sand.
1: Nothing but assless chaps and fringed fri- fringe vest.
0: It's actually his father
1: <laughs> and his daddy. <laughs> That's in italics. If the, if this were if we had a transcript, daddy would be in italics. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, and anything else you want to talk about lyrically?
0: Yeah, I do want to just just pull out no one but someone to be found. Mm. I think that that's really a fascinating a fascinating perspective on what it is to be a dead person because as a dead person you literally are no one you are not there you are no right. you are not a person mm-hmm. and yet you can be found because of course people can visit your grave and find quote unquote find you and a lot of these big cemeteries you know that's the that's that's why people go to them. It's like, oh yeah, I went to, I forget the name of it, but there's the famous cemetery in Paris where you can go and see the grave of Jim Morrison. Yeah, you know, and, that, and that's like a thing. Or Marilyn Monroe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> lots of people, lots of people are buried there. Lots of famous people, and you go and find them. But there's not, they're not there. They're dead. There's no one there. Right. So it's a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely sort of like. Almost Zen koan-like play on on words and meanings.
1: Right, you you are you are someone only to someone else.
0: Right, you are only to you are only to be found. But you are not a person there. You are not there.
1: Yeah, your your existence and your value is solely dependent on on someone else's thinking about you or interest in exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Nick and that is the end of that section lyrically there's another I think a couple of minutes musically um, which gives us some of that fun organ some more of the that really reedy awesome saxophone yeah and and it just kind of kind of winds down winds winds down into the next section which will again pick up and be be peppy and crazy and wacky
0: into the next layer of hell
1: possibly yeah
0: Going along with your Dante metaphor, although it is worth pointing out that in the Divine Comedy, Dante is not actually dead. He returns to the world at the end of it. Right. Fair enough. But, you know, it's, it's like death. Yeah. In the sense that he's visiting all the dead people. That he
1: is, he is, he is in hell.
0: He is in hell, but yeah. he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not, he's not quite dead. He's
1: not a resident. He's he's visiting that college to see if he wants to go there in the in the fall.
0: And it turns out he does not he want does to not. go there. He
1: he actually yeah. it was it's it was his fallback school. He he applied for heaven and he actually did get in. So He did Thank eventually. you for the opportunity hell, <laughs> but I'm I'm going to go with my my first choice. They
0: they accept everyone. That's the thing.
1: They they're they're very eager and they will they'll help Lasso's you get business. in too. A lot of financial aid there. A lot of support. Their online community is actually pretty huge. Free room, no board the at all. Is hell. That, oh, I, I think we just distilled it perfectly down. Hell is other yeah. people equals hell the internet is hell. is other hell. people's tweets. <laughs> hell, hell is other people's online personas. Exactly.
0: Join us for our other podcast, Dish Dante to Me. And just to, just to finish that little segment up, the whole, his whole purpose of going on the journey is to live a better life back on earth so that he can get to heaven ultimately
1: that being dante dante yes yeah. okay not donnie D- ronnie
0: not ronnie thank you
1: oh wow ronnie pilgrim yeah pilgrim yeah so he's right? he's yes. moving from one place to another he's experiencing yeah he's on a spirit he's on journey. a pilgrimage yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Well, welcome to class nick <laughs> Glad you could make
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to pull out the the referential naming. Come on. I love that. Oh, yes.
0: I just want to pull out the um the oh. the title card which is
1: the silver cord. Mm, yes. Do you still see me even here the silver cord lies on the ground. The silver
2: cord lies on
1: Right in parentheses, yeah. I
0: want to posit that that is in reference to the Greek conception of the the, the thread of life. Absolutely, that the, that the three fates spin, measure, and cut. So his his life thread, his silver cord, has been cut. Absolutely, it's also though like a really nice kind of fun little joke as a musician to say a silver cord uh-huh. as if like. There's a beautiful chord that's silver and guitar strings are often coated in silver.
1: Yeah, is there is there like I know there there are names for specific chords. Is there one that's that's like the silver chord? Do you know? There there's a chord called the silver-haired fox. Is there seriously? No. I, I I'm so I'm tired. tired just in I general, don't, I don't know, but I don't know, I don't know why after all
0: these years you still <laughs> believe anything that I say. It's really incredible to me I
1: just I'm just exhausted.
0: <laughs> by by our friendship.
1: The silver cord in metaphysical studies and literature, also known as the sutratma oh. or life thread of the antakarana, refers to a life-giving ah. linkage from the higher self down to the physical body. Boom. There it is. It's the
0: umbilical cord from... Your mommy's consciousness to your baby body. No,
1: it's your own. You are your own mom in this. In this scenario,
0: in which case the umbilical cord is is like is like this, the, world's the the world it serpent. Um,
1: it's the of umbilical cords. The umbilicoros. Mm.
0: <laughs> and on that note,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Join us next week. Next week, we are doing part two, act two, you would say. We're doing act two on side one. It is the memory bank, mm. a small but comfortable theater with a cinema screen the next morning.
0: Now, will that take us through the end of side one, Nick?
1: That will, because I believe side two wow. starts with the story of the hair. Okay, Great. That's technically our interlude, but if I remember correctly, that is the start of side two, not the end of side one. Gotcha. Regardless, that's the that's the end of the first portion of our story. So big chunks here on this album. Yes, this is going to be the next 14 minutes.
0: Wowee.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It is... Put an extra cookie on your plate. Yeah. Drink your emergency... Carb up beforehand it's going to be a big one
0: yeah (laughs) until next week you can pour out your passions in the form of a review and five star rating take a pilgrimage over to Apple Podcasts don't die with the regret of having not reviewed your favorite Jethro Tull podcast talk tall to me
1: You don't want to see that silver cord lying on the ground and think, man, I never gave them a review. You know, the greatest regrets.
0: Let us be your Dante through the fiery hellscape, which is all of the podcasts out there in the world.
1: Well, we'd be the Virgil to their Dante, right?
0: Ah, shucks, Nick. It's
1: been a while since college. Omen can be your Beatrice. I will be your Virgil.
0: Why do I always have to be Beatrice Nick?
1: Is it because I'm so pretty? Mm. <laughs> my hair is prettier than yours, so.
0: Until next week, I
1: am Omen Sade, and I am Beatrice. We are we are feckless Moms. moms. <laughs> and this and this is oh my okay. dear lord, and this is talk told to me.
0: so cold. Where am I? What is this dark forest all around me? I'm completely alone. Wait. Who's that in the distance with laurels around his head?
1: Who? What? Who do I see? I'm, I'm sorry. Are you, are you Dante? I'm supposed to meet Dante here.
0: You? Yes, yes. I, I'm Dante Alighieri. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm doing you, here.
1: You didn't... You didn't pick up a name tag when you first entered. You're, everyone's supposed uh, oh. to have name tags.
0: Oh, oh, let me read,
1: Virgil. Oh, yeah. you. Yeah, I'm Virgil. I'm I'm here to. I'm your guide. You're late, by the way. We missed the bus. We have to walk now.
0: You looked a lot taller in your in your
1: profile. I I mean, it was it was sunny. I had a low angle. It was you know I was going for. And regardless, regardless. Here, here's hell. Here's Purgatory. Here's oh my god. Here's the Feckless Mums Audio Network. What is it a proud member of?
0: Here, I mean, what counts
1: it as what? <laughs> tell me, tell me your wisdom. That's where that's that's where Talk tell to Me lives. They're a proud member. At the
0: deepest level of hell.